Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, Justice Theater. In the criminal justice system, there are two separate and very unequal tiers. Tier 1 is reserved for politicians, their friends, the wealthy, and especially the police. Tier 2 is for everyone else, you and me, the little people. Christopher Roop was an average 17-year-old kid, and he picked up his Wii controller. Maybe he was going to play a game, maybe he was looking to watch a movie, when he heard a knock on the door. He went to the door, he asked, who is it? And no one answered. He reached for the doorknob, not knowing, having no way of knowing, that he only had seconds left to live. To all outward appearances, the U.S. has one justice system that serves everyone. But if you pay close attention, you'll see that it's a two-tier system, which operates differently depending on who is being processed through it. Tier 1 is designed for acquittal. Tier 2, the one that we get, the one that you get, I get, everybody that isn't wealthy, politically connected, or a cop, That's designed for conviction. Us little people are subject to tens of thousands of laws, rules, and regulations, and violating any of them can lead to us losing our money, our property, and or our freedom. It's estimated that peacefully going about our business, harming no one, we commit three felonies a day, along with dozens of misdemeanors. The police have a much simpler set of rules. Rule number one, you can do anything you want to the little people up to and including murder. Rule number two, never say anything even slightly critical of your fellow officers or we'll turn you into one of the little people. Rule number three, there is no rule number three. One and two are pretty much it. They do have lists of rules and regulations, but they're just props they wave around as part of the show. When a cop's violence attracts public attention, it's time for Tier 1, Justice Theater. The story's ending is predetermined. The prosecutor's only job is to decide the length of the show. Prosecutors usually prefer a one-act play. The cop is given a paid vacation. The police investigate themselves, justify whatever happened, And then the prosecutor declines to press charges, and the show is finished. If the public is in a foul enough mood over the incident, he'll add Act 2, the grand jury. The grand jury is supposed to act as a break on overzealous prosecutors, but in actual fact, they pretty much hand the prosecutor whatever they want. An experienced attorney on the excellent website Popat explains it this way. The adage that a grand jury will indict a ham sandwich is an understatement. 
A better description would be that the prosecutor can show the grand jury a shit sandwich and they will indict it as ham without looking up from their newspapers. The prosecutor usually wants an acquittal, and they almost always give him what he wants. And if anybody complains about the results, most of the little people will chant, but he was cleared by a grand jury. When Christopher Roop opened the door, holding his white Nintendo Wii controller, Officer Beth Gatney shot him in the chest. She claimed that she thought the small, white, plastic Wii controller that he was holding was a gun. The public was in a foul enough mood over that that the prosecutor took it to a grand jury, and the grand jury returned an indictment. And so the prosecutor then took it to a second grand jury, got the result that he wanted, and she was set free. She's free to live the rest of her life, whereas poor Christopher got to live a mere 17 years, and now he's dead. She received no real punishment. She got fired, which is actually pretty rare, but being fired is not really punishment. Punishment would be going to trial, going to jail. Nope, she's still walking around free. She has the rest of her life to live, unlike her 17-year-old victim. Very occasionally, if there's a huge public outcry, the prosecutor decides to put on a three-act play. He gets an indictment from the grand jury, and then they move on to stage a show trial. First, a jury is carefully handpicked to ensure a not guilty verdict, and then the show begins. The jury, and the rest of us little people, are treated to masterful performances full of carefully tailored evidence and objections and raised voices and show and tell. It's all impressively dramatic as it works its way to the inevitable predictable finale. The officer is declared not guilty. And most of the audience claps and cheers in appreciation of the fine justice theater they've just witnessed. It doesn't matter if it's one, two, or three acts. Most little people unwaveringly support the police and will point to the performance as proof of the cop's innocence. A few podcasts ago, I told you about Lisa Merkel. She went through all three acts of the play, and what she had done was chase down David Kasich for an expired registration sticker, tased him three or four times, wasn't clear, but there was a very clear video of him laying on the snow, paralyzed from all of the tasering she had done, and she shot him in the back twice, and he said, what the fuck, and died. With this very clear video of what no normal person could call anything less than a cold-blooded murder shooting a man in the back as he lay face down in the snow, the jury gave her a not guilty verdict. And she is walking around free. She got the three-act play. But it really didn't matter, because whether it's one, two, or three acts, they get to go free. Once in a very, very great while, the jury will return a guilty verdict. Now, sometimes they return guilty verdicts for things short of murder and maiming, but typically when it comes to murdering or maiming people, cops get off 
at a rate of greater than a thousand to one. Normally, there is one cop convicted per year of hurting somebody or killing somebody. And they kill 1,200 of us every year. So it's actually greater than 1,000 to 1. That's why they don't care and aren't the least bit afraid of having to go through Justice Theater because the ending is already written and they know how it's going to end. But once in a great while, things go wrong and an officer gets convicted. And that brings us to the encore. Now, when a cop is convicted, statists will say, oh, see, the system works. But they're wrong. Because when a cop is convicted, the system has failed. It's not supposed to happen. But when it does, the encore is giving them extremely lenient sentences. When a cop commits a crime that would cost one of us little people 20 or 30 years of our life, he'll get maybe two, maybe three years. It's the way the system apologizes to him for accidentally getting a conviction. In New York City, Officer Peter Lang was patrolling a housing project and he heard a noise and he shot in that direction. And the bullet bounced off a wall and went into the chest of Akai Gurley, who was standing in the stairwell. Officer Lang used the gun went off excuse, which is, to anybody that knows anything about guns, guns don't go off. Guns fire when a trigger is pulled. But it's especially egregious to use that excuse for a police officer in New York City. Most guns have a pull of five pounds or so. It takes five pounds of pressure to pull the trigger. By law, police revolvers and guns have to have a 12-pound trigger. So there's no way that could be done accidentally. You got to really pull 12 pounds of pressure in order to fire that gun. So he was charged and he was charged with manslaughter, which was actually probably the right thing to charge him with because uh, he didn't do it intentionally. It wasn't a case of a violent cop losing control. It was just a matter of someone who was scared for his life and just fired randomly and killed somebody. The jury convicted him of second-degree manslaughter. And he also got fired shortly after the event happened. And he was looking at, check this out for punishment. The prosecutor was talking about giving him six months of house arrest and probation. But then the judge, after the conviction, reduced the charge. Can you imagine that happening with you or me, with one of us little people? After being convicted, the judge says, oh, I'm going to reduce the charge. So he reduces the charge, and now this cop is looking at probation and community service for shooting somebody, for killing somebody. So when you see endless stories of cops getting away with murder over and over and over and over again, be outraged, be disgusted. But don't complain that the system is broken. It's not. It's working exactly the way it was designed to work. But what can be done about it? How can we solve this problem of cops getting away with murder? Well, we can't do it 
by going after the justice system because this level of design corruption goes all the way to the heart of every jurisdiction in America. You're not going to change that. But when a cop murders somebody and gets away with it, it's always followed by a civil suit. And the judgments in those suits are generally six or seven figures. I've seen them as high as six million dollars. The cop, though, who committed the murder gets away scot-free because of something called qualified immunity, a legal principle that was invented by the Supreme Court. And it says, oh, they're not responsible for their actions. And so the community, the taxpayers, end up paying these judgments. I think you could solve this problem very, very quickly, simply by removing qualified immunity. Oh, they're still going to get away on the criminal level. But on a civil level, when they lose a two or three or four million dollar lawsuit and they have to sell their houses, their cars, their boats, especially if you can go after their sacred pension, you'd only have to do that two or three times to two or three cops and all of a sudden they'd start behaving a whole lot better. Now, I've talked throughout this whole thing about cops because that's what I'm most familiar with. It's something that I'm somewhat obsessed with. But it also happens with the wealthy and the powerful and the politically connected. We've all seen stories of the judge's son who gets nailed with three pounds of cocaine, who gets a free walk. And I'm sure that you know of examples in your area where this has happened. I live in New York State, one of the least free states in the country, and one path to power that's frequently used is someone becomes an attorney general, makes a name for themselves by going after people, gets their name in the headlines, and then moves on to a position of higher political power. Elliot Spitzer did this, and amongst the organizations that he brought down were two high-end prostitution rings. And using the fame that he got from that, he got himself elected as governor of New York State, where he then got caught buying the services of high-priced prostitutes. This cost him his job. He had to resign as governor. But did he go to jail? Did he spend any time in prison like the people he had busted? No, of course not. He's now a talking head on various political shows, still making a living, still walking around free. And I don't know of any way to stop that particular corruption, the corruption that's not cops, but that's everybody else. Because usually there's not a civil suit that you can hit them with afterwards. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations, you've been smartenized. This entire show, of course, has been about the way things are here in the United States of America, and I know that I have 
listeners in many other parts of the world. I'd like to hear from you and see if things are the same in your countries. I'm guessing that they probably are. And of course, anybody else from the U.S. who has a story to tell or a point to make, send an email to dave at davehit.com and please be sure to put either podcast or quick hit somewhere in the title of that message in the subject because otherwise I may not see it. I don't read a lot of the email that I get. You can also stop by the Facebook page, the Quick Hits Facebook page. You can leave a comment there if you'd like. And there's nothing more for me to say, folks, except that the Quick Hits podcast is a little more than a journal of one man's opinion and therefore should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.